Hello. This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell West. Uh, this month we have a brief product review and then a mammoth uh, session in which we talk about our favourite role-playing system. You see what happens when you guys write to us and ask for stuff. We give it to you. Aren't we nice? Onwards! Before our main feature, I'd like to start off with a review stroke apology um, concerning a game I was briefly dismissive about in one of our podcasts. Uh, This game is Fall of Magic, which I referred to, I've not scoured the archives to get the reference, but I believe I referred to as something that uh, people with more money than sense might actually want to pick up. Or now, what our friends at yogsothoth.com might call Game of Bling. Yeah, well, all right. I, I, I had a sudden rush of money to the brain recently, and I purchased a copy when it when it turned up again in Leisure Games' um, new releases next week. Uh, and I do not actually regret it. I've managed to play it once at a Stabcon convention up in Manchester, and I do find it to be... It's a luxury investment, yes, but I think over the years, if I can get enough use out of it, it will be a worthwhile one. It is certainly a very pretty artefact. It um, is meant to be. We, we both play a certain number of board games as well as role-playing, and I at least am starting now to appreciate the pretty artefact value of a game. I don't see it much in role-playing, though. Well, I think part of it is that we haven't quite taken on board what Jonathan tweets experiment with Everway um, uh, did for role-playing, which is the the degree to which visual stimulation and with the the tactical pleasure of Fall of Magic, it's taken to another dimension, um, creates opportunities and impulses towards role-playing and creating. To describe it, uh, Fall of Magic is a a storytelling game, pretty much... uh, purely. It is built around a long uh, printed scroll um, uh, between two uh, wooden what are they called? Spindles? Whatever. Um, Which tells the story, which gives the framework of a story of a world in which magic is coming to an end and the last Magus is going to, on a great voyage, over to the land where magic came from in the first place, to die or to renew magic. How it turns out depends on the players. So in some senses, it's a bit like those one-scenario games like um, The Mountain Witch, Lady Snowbird, yeah. and so on, except that it's, from what you're saying, a lot more open-ended. It's a lot more open-ended. It comes with um, the, a few extra bits and pieces which complement the scroll. But the scroll is a series of locations, and around each location, a particular uh, local scene and a set of possible outcomes, and a thing that you must work into that scene. Each person chooses to be a companion of the Magus, 
there's a list of what these people might be mm. and they uh, and they choose a particular scene where and they narrate what happens when their character goes to that location in the particular place that they're visiting and you wander along a path and when everybody's had a turn at a location then the first player takes the a token that uh, marks the magus and moves it along a road. Sometimes along the road there are choices. You can turn left, you can turn right, you can go to the mountains or you can go down to the valley. And that may, that makes difference as the next step of choices that, that you make. There's an ocean to be crossed where there are a set of cards depicting the islands that you, you might randomly find on, on the ocean mm. and stories to be told there. There are places where some characters will be altered there are chances to to decide things. Everything has to be consistent. I reckon there is about three. Uh, I, I from what I managed to get through at Stabcon in the three hour session, there are about three sessions of uh, role playing in the story. The there's even um, a story printed on the back of the scroll for when you. I think it's intended when you stumble into the underworld. Well, I haven't got to that bit yet. <laughs> it's a very, you can tell from the tone, it's a very elegiac, very gentle story, but there's plenty of incidences of strangeness and violence that can be in there. But so on the um, mythic end of things, or perhaps as in Quest Grognards, we might say the hero questy end of things. Yeah, well, this is definitely... A hero quest. It's a journey to the uh, to the other world, which is a source of power, and perhaps you get to come back. I haven't discovered that yet. <laughs> but, so, how, how reusable would you say it is? I mean, you've described some things which are very clearly the the player makes something up based on a couple of cues, and that obviously yeah. is reusable. But yeah, I think it's very reusable. There are plenty of combinations of possible characteristics for for the companions. And there are there are there are several paths, even in the first even in the first third of it that I managed to do. There are several paths you can choose to take or not choose not to take, and you can, in some places, do things to other characters, alter their definition, alter their um, their uh, state of mind, or you can choose to alter your own and. Uh, become a slightly different character as you as you go along. Mm-hmm. It's all very non-statistical, which is a, a blessing in a storytelling game, mm-hmm. and it's it's very cleverly crafted to give maximum. I'm not sure I would want to play it uh, more than uh, a few times in my life, but I'd like to play it all the way through. You would have to s- select your players very carefully for those who like who like this sort of thing. And it's definitely not something you want to do on the internet. You want to do this around a table, preferably by candlelight, and with that physical artifact. With that physical artifact in front of you, and and the people making up their stories as they go along. It. Uh, so, my apologies for having perhaps sneered at it. I, I have demonstrated here that I have. Um, I had briefly over Christmas more money than sense, <laughs> um, but. Please but you've, but you've got begging. much wiser since then. I've got much poorer since then. Please do not send the begging letters. 
How important would you say group continuity is? I mean, you say you've, you've done a third of it. Are you planning to run the next bit with as many of the same people as you can get? If I get the chance, I would like to uh, run it again. I, Michelle, uh, who helps run Stabco, was one of the people. I very much doubt if I would get the same people, but I can see ways it could be worked around. There could be other companions who were on the boat. We've just got to the continent, which is, which is the source of magic, having crossed the ocean. I can see way, way, ways around it, but it probably helps that I recorded the, uh, the, the session and I really ought to write it up. <laughs> yeah. But yes, if it, it feels like a project for two or three weeks of the same group or two or three months of the same group gathering together and telling the, telling the story. Um, and, and it is GMless, or it is GMless. Yeah. It is sans a GM, and everybody pitches in. I was playing a. Uh, let me tell you about my character. <laughs> I was playing uh, a grizzled, aged warrior who gradually moves out from being a warrior, and uh, and meets keeps meeting this strange young man who says, "I have just what you need on your journey." At various markets along the way. <laughs> Which was nice and uh, and fun, and maybe I hope we might get to play it, play it again. But it's a thing to be taken seriously. Um, it's not it's not a light fluff of a game. Mm. I so, can't offhand think of, think of a group I'm playing in at the moment that I that I would leap to run it with. Oh well, but uh, I'm interested in hearing hearing your more of well, your experiences. If I get if I if I ever get to play it again, I'll let you know. after a previous episode uh, Dirk the Dice of the Grognard Files podcast and Grogmeat and the, the podcast Empire of the North has asked us about GURPS we know GURPS, we've been playing it for a while but how does an, how does somebody who doesn't know GURPS get started with it I mean, there are a lot of books out there yeah. even if you just restrict yourself to the current 4th edition, there are a lot of books out there where do you, where do you get started what are the core mechanics how, and so on all right. Um, this is a public service, um, and and because we do keep saying, yes, well, running it in GURPS is always possible. We're not being paid for this, though. If Steve Jackson Games want to offer me a huge amount of money, then I won't object. You know where to find me. Yeah. He, how is the man in black racket nowadays? Classified. Right. Let's start with an overview. GURPS is a generic system, first of all, and this is the most important thing you probably have to say. If a generic system isn't going to be jack-of-all-trades, master of none, then you have to tune it. Tuning GURPS is the GM's first responsibility and first problem. And when you come to use it, you are going to have to make decisions about what's in, what's out, before anything else gets done. Yeah, one of the things that often comes up on the SJ Games forums is a relatively new poster will say, um, I'm, I want to build a character who, does, who has these particular effects, um, and I think I found this loophole in the rules, and you know, 
and so on. Or, or they say my, my my player has come up with this, and I think I think it's too powerful for my campaign. And the the answer is not everything in the basic set is going to be used in every game. Yeah. In fact, not not everything from the basic set is going to be used in any game because some of it is is options that replace each other. You you cannot as you would with the impression I get at least with modern D and D is that basically plug, if if it's in there it goes in. Plug it and play. Yeah. Um, this is not the case with GURPS. It does a bunch of different things, and while, yeah, all right, characters will have point values. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that a, that a hundred point character from campaign A has anything comparable with a hundred point character from campaign B. Uh, yeah. one, one of them may be, may be a low tech dungeon basher. The the other may be a uh, high tech computer whiz. They just yeah, they they're not going to make sense pitted against each other. The, and and their worlds worlds are different. The art the art of running GURPS, one of the things GURPS boasts about is being able to do multiple world campaigns. But you're a beginner, so do not attempt this. Um, the, that is definitely the advanced course. The way I see um, GURPS, both as the basic set and as the add-ons, is as a series of modules, uh, and it starts, I think, with somewhat cinematic but basically realistic. Hmm. As it as its core conceit, somewhat gameable but basically simulate sim, simulationist. So you you can have sword fights, um, but getting hit with a sword will hurt you. It, it will it will stop you being as good at hitting people, even if it doesn't kill you. You can have gunfights, but getting hit by a gun is a really bad idea, hmm. or even a bullet. Um, <laughs> Okay. And th- this this is another thing, particularly if, if people who are coming from D and D or D and D style systems, which let's face it, a lot of systems are inspired by D and D, including this. Really, if you look back far enough, people expect attritional fights. Yeah. So you know, I, I hit him, I do some hit points. He hits me, he does some hit points. Uh, that there are ways we can tweak that, but basically, I, w- I want him to run out before I do. In GURPS, you can do that. It does happen. But a lot of the time, the first person to lose hit points is going to lose the fight, no matter how many they've got. Yeah. Um, because they, they stop and they go, ow, and they are hurt and they are impaired. And yeah. Anyway. Okay. Shall, the, shall we start with the, hang, with well, the core mechanics? I want to say one, one, one other thing on overview, is that it's a designed character system. That means that there are, in in a few places bits of uh, random character generation you can do. That's not what it's designed for. It's it's intended to be used to build the characters, both the players and the NPCs, though an experienced GM can uh, improvise N- NPCs quite straightforwardly. I'll come back to that. Yeah. But the working in putting your character together is mostly done before... All the hard work is mostly done before the session. At its core, the mechanics are very straightforward. Uh, there are only a few of them. Um, and at its core, um, you can carry those around in your head. But all the exceptions, all the particularities are done by building the character beforehand. And here's a piece, a piece of commercial advice number one. Buy a copy of the, uh, of the character generator uh, GURPS character assistant. It is not easy to adapt to your own particular campaign, but dedicated people like Roger, people who actually 
like programming by uh, by by entering text files. It's not my favourite programming language, but uh, have have done most of the work for most of the genres. And uh, there, are, you, there are third party repositories as well as what you get from the from the program itself. Yeah, and so you can uh, you can make use of it um, to uh, to take all the hard hard work, all the hard arithmetic. Out of uh, out of um, creating a character, I use it extensively, and you can pick it up quite straightforwardly. Now, what were you going to say next? Um, well, I was just going to say the core mechanics. Um, yeah, all right. Really, the the core mechanic, the the thing that will come up far more often than anything else, is very simple. Some of three six sided dice. The lower you get, the better. That's when you're rolling against um, target numbers, whether they are skills or stats. Or whatever they may be, um, roll roll low. There is also, as an exception, um, reaction um, rolls, but that's mostly the GM's problem, where you are uh, rolling three dice and adding um, uh, modifiers. Yeah. The r- rolling high is better for the people. The, the, this play. is, I think, a relatively minor thing, and probably most campaigns will have more damage rolls than reaction rolls. Yeah, and there again, you're just rolling a bunch of dice, adding them up, and in that case, you want you want a high number because you're doing more damage that way. Can I put in my first criticism of the system or the current in, in incarnation? Anyway, is that it has too many um, types of uh, uh, types of damage modifier, and I can never remember the, the what the obscure ones mean. But then I was raised on third edition, and I thought it was um, more straightforward. It I, did, I have a cheat sheet. It's, uh, it is a good point in that in this system, how you use a weapon influences what do, that weapon does in the, in the sense of in damage. Whether you're sw- If you're swinging with a sword, you have more leverage, you have more base damage, but the cutting edge does less than if you push with, a, with, with the pointy bit and pierce. It's, yeah. There are various variants uh, on that. Various variants? I really just say that. Good grief! There are variants on that, but that—that's the ba- the basic idea: cutting, impaling, and there are all sorts of exotic damages that can be done. But cut, impale, pierce will cover most of it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've occasionally said, though I don't—I haven't actually had feedback from people who've tried this, so I don't know how good advice this may be. Um, because particularly the special powers and high tech and things like that are, are essentially modular, it is probably a good idea if you have some reasonably patient players to start with a game of not necessarily normal people but people without without weird things mm. so limit, to limit the weird things from the start so say contemporary espionage if people are interested in that or a, uh, perhaps a dungeon bash but you want to have relatively low magic for a dungeon bash i think one J- more- just to get the hang of the basic system with as few complications as possible I normally start with something. I, I would normally start introducing new newbies with a, uh, gri- a slightly gritty um, historical stroke fantasy game, Car- Caravan to Inaris, one of the the free adventures uh, which can be played with GURPS Light, which is the free version of the yeah. the system, is per- is perfectly good for as as a tool for teaching people how the game system works and. What why, what hurts when you do it wrong? Yeah, the other thing that I would suggest is 
have the have the first fight with expendable characters. Whether Ooh. that is because you're doing it as a one shot or some some other way, um, it just just ha- GURPS... Okay, not what was did Man to Man actually come out before? Yes, I remember. I certainly remember playing that before there was the rest of GURPS available where I was, and that that was simply the combat rules of the GURPS edition of the era. Mm. First edition, yeah. yeah. And what 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 one could very easily do there was was um, find out yeah, this works, this doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, getting hit hurts, and so w- without being particularly invested in a character that. Mm. Particularly if if you have the sort of game I tend to run, which is quite a lot of talk and not a lot of fighting, and you get somebody in that who who is not really expecting fighting to be as lethal as it tends to be, yeah, they can be very disappointed when they, they, they've spent five sessions do, doing all this stuff and then bang, character's dead. The that said, um, the, uh, combats do sometimes go on a bit. There are means of not fight proofing there, but of uh, expanding a character's lifespan, which we'll come back to when we talk about advantages and stats and things like that. Yeah, the hmm. I think I may have particularly sneaky players. Oh, really? Well, uh, I, 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 how nice for you. I do, I do tend to run high tech games. Yeah. Uh, present day or later, and high tech in GURPS is or re- recent history at least twentieth century. All right, well, history. once you get to, to things that anyway. go bang a lot, things get more dangerous. Yeah, um, well, yes and no. Because it, it's another transition from from the stand up fight of the D and D style to right. Well, if we are all sneaky and lie in ambush, we can finish this fight in about two rounds. Yeah, and it's it's quite a lot better to be the ambusher than the ambushy. This is true. Um, that, that happened quite a lot in my um, Reign of Steel campaign, which I ran with the Cambridge group for, for a, hmm. I can't remember, quite a, quite a few sessions. Um, on the few occasions they were forced into a stand-up fight, so they did a lot worse than when they could be a bit cunning about picking their fights and picking their moments hmm. for their fights. Whereas I tend to run fantasy things, and I'm rotten at establishing ambushes, but... Um, I, I'm not. I'm not at all bad at the at the hack and the slash. And players can. Yeah, it is easy to get taken out of the fight. Not necessarily killed. Um, a, a well-built player character can be quite robust, even to having a, a length of steel run through his guts. But um, you can get taken out of the fight very, very easily. Yeah. Bear in mind that the combat system says that. When you're down to zero hit points, you aren't dead. You're at risk of falling unconscious. Uh, um, but you start risking death um, once you're at full negative hit points. And so you started with 10, you've now taken 20. And that's the first death check. Players can... at, at that point, some players will say, hey, I've got high health, I can stay conscious, I'll stay in the fight. This is a way to die. Mm. Unless you win the fight really quickly by doing that. Yes, it's it's also a good place to put a player character into if you want to get the um, the actual heroism uh, going. But be this as it may. <laughs> so go, going on the core mechanics, um, there are stats. Four of them, strength, dexterity, intelligence and health. Mm. There are other stats that come off that, like willpower. Um, you buy these with points. You buy everything with points in character generation. Um 
There are advantages. Good stuff. Yeah. Including the aforementioned the really cool powers. Well, mostly. Yeah. Core, core advantages, th- things like, oh, I don't know, charisma. Uh, the ability to combat, yeah. Charisma, luck. Um, I'll come back to that one. Combat, uh, combat reflexes make, makes you just basically more, more switched on when you get into a dangerous situation. Danger sense. Wealth, status. Um, In general, if, if there's some doubt about it, it's probably an advantage. Yeah. If it's a good thing for you. Um, you and again, back again to our pre to a starting point. Your job is as GM is going to be to winnie that down. To um, the the core book uh, rates the classifies the uh, advantages as mundane, as supernatural, as weird, or whatever. Decide what you want. And and decide how it works. Let the players know that this is available and that isn't. There is a free PDF that you can use as a checklist, mm. just to say, okay, I'm going to cross out these things. I, I believe somebody's also done an HTML, um, vaguely smart version, so you can say, all right, give give me all the mental stuff and then disable the weird stuff, and it will give you a list that you can then print out and give to your players. Yeah, there there are tools for this. the The, the trick is not doing it, which is relatively easy. You just look look down the list and say, "Okay, that doesn't really sound like the sort of thing that happens in this game." The trick is realizing you have to do it. Yeah. Um, Flip side of that disadvantages. Now here um, uh, comes the the place where I always start when looking uh, to build a character. Mm. Um, two, two possible reasons for that that I can think of. Um, one is because they're worth negative points. Um, i.e. they give you more points to spend on other, other good stuff you want. If you if you can fill up your the disadvantages you want first, you know what budget you're working with. Hmm. The other is that, to me at least, they tend to be the things that most carefully define the personality of the character, and that's the thing I care most about. Yeah. Um, now, dis- disadvantages may, may be obvious stuff like, you got a missing arm. Um but they also include thing, and, and that that is a thing that you might want to get rid of if you had the opportunity in with suitable ultra tech or magic. Yeah. Um, but they also have things like code of honor and mm. honesty and so on. And the, these are disadvantages because they restrict your behavior. And so the the, the, yeah. the honest guy doesn't have the option of lying, or he be much or more, he tries, or be much be more very, difficult very for him. It therefore restricts what he can do in some situations, and it is therefore worth negative. But but he probably doesn't want to pay pay to get rid of it. No, because it it, it makes him who who he is. What disadvantages are are the trouble that your character is in, and whether it's trouble he's in because of who he is in himself, um, or whether it's because of his situation, because somebody's after him, because he doesn't have his his right arm. That's the that's the trouble, the situation, and from that trouble, the drama will uh, arise. There is a temptation. Don't sit on your players if they go this way, to take some uh, sort of disadvantage to the max, and uh, and use it to get ludicrous amounts of points. The rules put in um, guidelines to stop this happening, but players will try and work around it. There is pretty much always a a limit on the total points you can get from disadvantages. Yeah. Um, 
The way I see it is, is to flip that round a bit. And anything that is on your character sheet, i.e. that distinguishes you from a standard generic character. Yeah, from Joe Bloggs at the counter. Whether it has positive or negative point value is, is a way of saying, I want some GM attention. Yeah. Be, being the guy who, who is terrified of dark places means when the party is going into a dark place, you're the guy who gets to stand up and, and act, act out a bit. Yeah. And I, ain't, I ain't going down that hole. And uh, and the the fact that your character has let's say the status and wealth of uh, uh, of the, the second son to the king says something about what sort of game you want this to be, just as much as the other players being born in in, in a sewer and, uh, and and only having one leg uh, tells us what he wants to play up. I used to dream of having a leg. <laughs> yeah. Um... That, this is another thing. I, I get the impression that in, in your D&D type games, it's quite usual, and certainly in a lot of game, modern games I read, it's quite usual to say, here is character generation, here is how it works, the players can go away and generate characters. Uh, some some games try to say, let's try to build some connections between the players. Firefly is quite good about this. Yeah. Um, I feel particularly with a new group, it is best to do this as a, as a collaborative thing. Yeah. Um at least email back and forth between players and GM at, at, at a minimum. If you can get everybody in the same place, they're prepared to put up with each other for that long generating characters. That, mm. is, that is probably better because then, then they can start saying, okay, well, I'm going to do this, you're going to do that. We don't need two very rich guys in this party. Yeah, um, I should. Uh, I tend to do this to email. It occurs to me what I should do, especially given some problems I've had in the past, is do it basically by email and then gather them all together and get each of them to crit each other's character. That causes problems when there are secrets on the uh, on um, things that are not generally known. But when there aren't secrets, it's probably a good idea to pass everyone around the table and say, well, have you noticed this? It's not consistent with that. Mm. And you can't really do this and that. I, ha- I haven't uh, felt an urge to do that, but it's an interesting idea. I'll give it a shot mm. sometime. Uh, okay, oh. skills. Skills. Skills are the good stuff that isn't advantages. Skills are the good stuff that that is most easy to is easiest to get up. You know, you know a thing. You know how to do a thing. You know how to hit yeah. somebody with a sword or do accounts or run a computer. Now the core system has enough skills to be getting on with, and here, but here's a point where Roger's uh, modularity statement comes in. Almost all the, the the system books are bolt-ons for advantages and skills. They 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 expand the details. It, there's there's martial arts and fencing rules in the core book, but uh, but the there's the that if that's going to be important to your to your game, you're going to want to think about bolting in the the expansions. I would argue slightly with you there on the basis that there is quite a lot of pressure not to introduce new skills per se. Yeah, well, there are... People who've played GURPS 3rd edition will will remember that there was the core book and then there were every supplement had new advantages and new skills and everything else. There were eventually the GURPS compendium volumes Mm. to collect all this stuff into one place. And they were huge and they were unwieldy. And they're, they're trying to make it a bit more rational this time with things like um, professional skill, which is basically, okay, you, you're a bartender. Uh, mm. you, you, you're a um, whatever, air traffic controller. All right, well, you, you don't need a separate skill just because this, this is GURPS air traffic controllers. Yeah, there are, well, 
I, in that case, perhaps what I mean is that they add manoeuvres, which is special stuff, manoeuvres and techniques, yeah. which are specialised stuff that you can do with your core skill. But they still add a specific um, katana skill, um, as well as the broadsword, I think. No. No? No, I took that away? Okay. No, martial arts, third ed did, wrong. martial arts third ed did a lot of that sort of thing to the point where if there were a character with martial arts from the book in play, um, they, they would simply be able to beat up everybody else, even of higher point value, because they had stuff that they could do that the original characters couldn't. Uh, they have tried to not have that All happen right. in fourth edition. Okay, I'm a, I'm a grog now. Blame me. Um, me, me. Yeah, and I'm in an odd position here because I did play a bit of third edition, but I didn't get anything like as deeply into it as many people did. I only really played it seriously for about two or three years before 4th edition came out. All right. So I, d- I don't have as much of the... You don't remember as much of how it used memories, to be. Memories, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, one good thing, and a highly praiseworthy thing about the system, is that in skills, there are almost always defaults. You find your character stuck um, trying to do something he is not qualified to do. You can always almost always come up with a number which he's just trying to do it with his, his basic intelligence with a, um, or dexterity at a penalty mm-hmm. to try and... Uh, all right, the thief is unconscious in the corner. You're trying to pick the lock on the jail cell. Or, um, or the nuclear de- uh, bomb is ticking down and you're trying to figure out how to defuse it. Um, you can come up with a number. Often it will not be very good. But at least it gives you an option, yeah. It gives you it gives the GM a means of modelling. You don't ever get the position you're in where you say you mostly don't get to the position where you say you can't do that. Yes, you have hands. Yes, you have eyes. But you just can't do that. There are very few skills with no defaults at all. Um, Brain surgery, I think. The only one that comes to mind is well, that, that's not a distinctive distinct skill now. Is it? Okay, go on. Um, Appreciate beauty isn't a distinct skill anymore. I know it's terrible, but it's gone. Uh, no, I, th- I think forced entry, which, which is basically br- breaking into, um, well, through, through doors and windows and things more subtly than using your strength, or it's knowing where to use your strength and things yeah. like that. That doesn't have a default, because effectively, if, if you don't know how to do that, you just need to break it with your strength. That, that sort of thing. But th- they are pretty rare cases. I, I've, I've, I've mentioned manoeuvres and techniques, which you should probably clear up what the, they are. Well, manoeuvres are just things you can do. Yeah, they're things you can do with a skill, normally at a penalty to the skill. They are the tricky stuff. Uh, hang on, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about martial arts, but uh, have I got the, te- the terminology wrong? Manoeuvres is not usually a, a, a standard term. Okay, didn't um, they used to be called that? Basically, the, the, there isn't really a specific term for things you do with skills, because that's just rolling the skill. Um but for example, let's let's say you're tr- you're trying to uh, shoot somebody in the eye, yeah, which is I think minus nine or so on the, on the um, pen- as a penalty to hit. Yeah, it's difficult. In other words, if you want to get better at that, you can improve your dex, which is what your skill is based on. You can improve the skill itself, which will be cheaper because it's not doesn't make you better at lots of different things. Or you can take a specific technique. Techniques always add on to skills in shoot somebody in the eye with a pistol, mm. which is much cheaper. And it, it, it will only apply when you're doing that particular thing. It, it counts against that minus nine location penalty. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, this, uh, this is also a, a boon 
in as much as even if you've never done it before, the 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 GM can find a number to say. That's really can normally find a number to say, and if you can't, you can improvise. There's a fairly good uh, suggestion on on what difficulty levels should be if you don't if you don't have other guidance. Yeah. Okay. Disadvantages, advantages. That that that's really the the, the main mechanics. Everything that really everything that happens is, is based on something of that sort. Um, yeah. Quirks, for example, quirks were quirks are rather lovely. Actually, they they are one point disadvantages. Mm. They they so you you so let's say being shy. I can't remember. Is that ten points or so? Uh, yeah, I, I, and the, and that that's fairly serious, and it will mess you up in a lot of social situations. Or you can have a one point version of it where you ju- you're just a bit shy sometimes, maybe in particular circumstances. When called upon to speak in public, um, when uh, addressing members of the opposite sex, that one perhaps might uh, might 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 be worth more than minus one point. Depends on how you play a character. Yeah, but generally it's, it's small things. And um, there, there, there is a big xenophobia disadvantage, or you can have well, I just don't don't really like people who are a bit weird and different, but I can work with them anyway. I just feel a bit unhappy about it, and maybe they'll notice that. It, it, it's for the fine tuning. Yeah, and uh, to and to give the character more definition, I normally allow people to start with uh, one or two quirks um, defined, and the rest to be filled in in play. This, but, should, this uh, should not be difficult if you're playing the character as a person. Yeah, and because they had quirks in fourth edition, they had to introduce perks, which are the the, the flip side, the, the flip the side, the one thing. point advantage, which isn't really that great. Something like uh, is is a signature weapon a perk? The signature weapon? No, sig- signature gear is is um, cost points. But there's it co- cost points. It, it's a bargain you're making with with the GM that you can have it, uh, and you you will not be permanently deprived of it, or at yeah. least something very similar to it. So yeah, I'm just trying to think of a good example. You know, the the the, the hero who always uses a particular gun. Yeah, because uh, he he likes this sort of gun. Um, They'd say, okay, well, you, you will not have it permanently taken away from you. Uh, you, you. You will be able to replace it. But there's a one-point achievement. I can't remember what it's called. This is my particular weapon. Weapon uh, bond. Weapon bond, that's it. Yeah, that, that is the, this specific... Well, it, it actually got generalised to equipment bond. This specific gun or computer or car or mm. whatever is the one that I know inside out and I get plus one with everything I do for it. But if, if I ever lose it, that point is gone. I, d- I don't yeah. get to reapply it to a new one. You know, as I say, I don't think they would have had perks if they hadn't had quirks. Oh, it's just too cute. But the, the, there, there is actually a book specifically dedicated to perks, and there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. Um, yeah, sartorial integrity is in the basic set. But whatever situation you've just been through, you come, you come out looking perfectly groomed. Um, that is a supernatural advantage. Um, I have the opposite yes, but it, but it, it's very much in genre for a lot for a lot of yeah, games. It is. Um, the, the, yeah, particularly for the character who does a lot of persuasion. Okay, um, so yeah, um, could we talk about combat and how yeah, it right, works? If you like. um, one thing I know some people get uh, get their knickers in a twist about is the one second combat round, but for me that is uh, that is something that makes uh, it's part of the grittiness of GURPS. It means that you are reacting very quickly, very immediately to um whatever it is uh, you are you are facing 
It also means that while you do have the option of simply hitting somebody repeatedly, um, let, let, let's say you're comparing this with some other game that has nominal 10-second combat rounds. It's yeah. a fairly usual sort of length. Um, yeah, you can hit somebody 10 times, or five times you, you can wipe, look, look carefully and see how, how he's favouring that left arm and maybe hit, hit him there. Um, mm. Or you, you can spend a lot of time winding up your blow and making it particularly powerful. You, you, you have lots of options, but they are called separate combat rounds. Yeah, but in in the same actually lapsed time as one game would say you had an exchange of blows and you hit him. Yeah, you can do that. You can do a bunch of different things. It it it, it a lot of it is about giving the players options and the GM. Yeah, the one of the things you derive from your basic stats is speed, and that de- determines who goes first. And except when surprise happens. Uh, ba- basic uh, the basic advantage of hitting him before he hits you. Well worth doing. Well worth always worth worth doing. And one of the things that uh, uh, that surprises people is how hard ranged combat is in GURPS. Let's talk about ranged combat first. It it is difficult with um, medieval weapons. To hurt people specifically at range, you will not see, without lots of points spent, um, uh, um, Lord of the Rings, Elven Archers, well, Lord of the Rings movie, Elgin, Elven Archers. They have spent a lot of points on skills and special advantages to let them do that. Yeah. Um, but, and, uh, yeah, I can't remember the numbers offhand, but I believe a distance of 100 yards is a minus 10. Yeah. You're, you're and, roll- the, and they get bigger beyond that. All right, you're only 3D, uh, 3D6. And your skill is liable to be in the 15 to 20 range. 20 is really extraordinary. Yeah. So a penalty... Uh, if, of, if, if you're playing something like Dungeon Fantasy, which where, where people are going to be optimised for fighting stuff, it, it may get a bit, even a bit higher than that. But yeah, generally in the... I would I would have said sort of 12 to 18 is usual for... Mm, for... Reasonably competent people, but not superheroes. Yeah. Uh, so And so aiming, taking the... Uh, taking some of those one-second turns to aim and to um, is almost always worthwhile. Yeah. Aiming... If if you just say I'm going to shoot him, roll the skill. Yeah, you're that that is, that is a snapshot because you're doing it in one second. Um, you, you're you're saying basically I'm going to point the pistol vaguely in the right direction and, and blaze away, uh, or the bow or whatever. Yeah, and this the, is a good the, way to hit your friends. Incidentally, the the lower your rate of fire. Um, the more important it is to make every shot count, and so you, so you might, for example, wait till they get a bit closer. Um, but yeah, aiming is the main thing of that, and that that is mm. simply take, taking a, a second or more to concentrate on. I go to aim at this particular target, and that that will give you a bonus depending on um, the weapon, mostly. Yeah, how how much you can benefit from that. Once you get into high tech um, sniper rifles and that sort of thing. It gets much more dangerous um, fighting fighting at range, um, and much more practical too. Yeah, and you you can have sights that give you a plus six if you use them right, which takes time. Yeah, um, but e- e- even with the high tech, you got you have to take the time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Moving into close combat, um, normally you attack, they defend; they attack, you defend. There are various means of defending. 
There's parrying, when that's appropriate. There's dodging, you can always dodge. Which applies to everything. Yeah. The, the, this includes uh, ranged combat, though it's, it's not so much I see it coming and get out of the way as I work out where it's going to be and not be there. Yeah, I, 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 I find myself behind this convenient rock suddenly. There are rules for cover and for, um, and for sniping from a prepared position. But one of the things that you will always tempt, you should always tempt players to do, is to go into all-out attack, and for that matter, all-out attack mode. Yeah. If you don't, if you bearing in mind that um, hitting him first is going to put him at a massive disadvantage, if not take him out of the fight, then if you think you're that good. You should want to think about. I will not bother. I'll not worry about my subsequent defence action. I will hit him as hard as I can, or as precisely as I can. I will all-out attack, giving me bonuses either to damage or to uh, to hit charge. Yeah. So, so I would say there there are three basic stances. The de- the default one is the one in the middle, where you you hit them and you get a defence when they try to hit you. All-out attack gives up all your defences until your mm. next action. But, as you say, it can make make you uh, more likely to hit or do more damage when you do hit. Uh, the other, which is often very useful in the games I run, is all-out defence, which is I'm giving up any possibility of an attack, but I get to, I get extra defences, so I'm less yeah. likely to get damage when they hit me. Um, particularly when you have a, have a party all fighting, mm. this this becomes important. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the, maybe the combat monster is mincing up one one enemy per turn, and everybody else. Um, doesn't, who doesn't want to be um, destroyed by those enemies and before he gets to them might might go defensive. Yeah. That sort of thing. It, it, it does depend on the situation. And again, it's, it's flexibility and choices. And armour... Uh, ah, armour, yeah. Reduces right. damage. Armour reduces damage, yeah. There are tweaks and, and complexities to it. Chainmail yeah, and... Uh, if, you get by, if you take something pointy to your chainmail, it might just go through, so it'll, it'll be less effective. Yeah. But yeah, basically, armour reduces damage. Armour reduces, reduces damage. And you can... The good armour is, is expensive in, the, in almost every circumstance. Um, it's especially so in, in the default medieval settings... Being a knight, so so good weapons, so good weapons. Yes, um, those are. What else do people not know about GURPS combat? Um, I think that's most of it. We we already talked about what happens when you get hit. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we haven't. Well, when you get hit, there is a moment of pain. Uh, this will shock many people, but when you get when you get hit um, for the turn after, just about everything except your defenses is at a minus, based on how much damage you, you took. Um, up to three points? Four. four. Up to four points of penalty on your, um, on your, on your skills, depending on how much da- damage you took. There is an advantage that lets you ignore this. If you're planning to get into that sort of fight, you should take it. Um, there is an advantage that lets you ignore this, and it's a good way to end up dead. But... <laughs> well, I, I never felt that high pain threshold was a thing I ever really wanted, though. Well, the state I, I, my foot is in at the moment. I'm reconsidering this. As I said before, um, the, the sort of combats I, t- I tend to run, uh, what, what you want to do is, is not take the damage. Yeah. And high pain threshold is saying I do expect to take damage. Mm. But it will vary with campaign. This is, while everything has a point value, yeah. and it's always the same point value, um, 
in some campaigns, some things will be worth much more than others. Mm. Uh, well, c- consider wives and sweethearts. Okay, there, there is there is combat in there. It, it's mostly ship to ship combat. That there is some personal combat, but yeah. it would not. I don't think it would be fair to say that combat reflexes would be as good a deal for you there well, as it would be in a dungeon. We're playing, na- we're playing naval officers. The the Marines need combat reflexes. Yeah. And high, high pain threshold would certainly not be worth taking because, frankly, if you're taking any damage through your armor, it's probably going to vaporize you. Yeah. I think... Whereas if, you, if you're playing martial artists who yeah. are trading blows back and forth and, and, and absorbing the pain and, and carrying on fighting, then yes, absolutely, it's worth having. One thing before we go on to talk about specific books and the specific modules of abilities... That will come with them. Uh, going back to advantages and disadvantages for a moment, you will see underneath the core um, descriptions of the various advantages and disadvantages, variants of them. Um, it's more common in the advantages sec- section. If there there is a core, for example, there is a, a core power which um, is a basic immortality. Which ear your character does not die. It costs a humongous amount of points, but there are about four or five different ways that that can manifest itself, um, in, including, I think, uh, a Doctor Who style regeneration, um, having your brain, um, your mind uploaded to a computer and then reloaded into a new body. These are worked examples of what the advanced uh, enhancements and limitations do which are intended to be um, the means by which you particularise, make specific to your particular campaign um, special abilities of all, of all sorts. As a beginning GM, read it and admire, but don't get into it too much at the start. I would say that there is one obvious way of doing this, which is if, if you have let us say, magical powers in your campaign. Yeah. You can say, okay, this advantage exists, uh, this, this luck or whatever that, that I've decided people should have, but it is a magical thing. And therefore, when there are anti-magic precautions going on, yeah. it won't work. Therefore, it should be cheaper because it's not as useful as, as the full version would be. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cheap fix. You won't always want to do, do that, but it is a possibility. There are lots and lots of discussions on the GURPS forums about how to realise a particular vision or thing. I would read them and listen to uh, to them, but I would, for now, um, as you're starting out, use some of the, the pre-made use the pre-made stuff because a lot of it's very good and very usable. If you do feel you need help working out a particular power, posting on the forums is worth doing. Yeah. There are lots of people who, who will help with that, and you may even get an answer you like. Ooh, yeah, and as well as a lot of you know, internet sarcasm, but that, that's that, that's just the risk you take. I would say uh, w- one of the things that Dirk asked was how, how do the rules adapt to different settings, and I think that's worth mentioning. It's mostly a matter of which rules you use. Hmm. Um, there is a general division of, I think one would call it style, yeah. which is mm, sort of realism level. Um, you, you've got your standard lightly cinematic. It. Mm, some TV shows would do it. Yeah, uh, you you can go to much more gritty, and that that includes things like bleeding after you've been shot, as well as the damage you take at the time. 
Yeah, I, um, long, yeah. long-term injuries from, from things. Um, that there's lots of loving detail in martial arts about how you can mess yourself up by being a martial artist, even if nothing goes wrong. Mm-hmm. All, all that stuff is there if you want it. Or you can go the opposite direction. There are some explicitly cinematic rules, uh, like TV action violence, which is essentially you, you can sp- spend your next action in advance in order to avoid being shot but by hurling yourself behind cover or something of that yeah. sort. Um there are rules for mooks if if you want lots of um, disposable bad guys. Yeah, that that's a way of simplifying them. So so okay, well when when they hit zero points, they're out of the fight. Whether dead or unconscious, it doesn't matter. Hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, you that that's the general scale, but you can pick and choose individual rules on that depending on what you want for the feel you're after. Yeah, you are. If you could, if there is a specific feature of a specific fictional world that you want to adapt, then there are ways and means of doing this. Magic is the traditionally most difficult one. Shall we move? This is sort of moving on to the next topic, yeah. which is books. Uh, magic is is the is the most typical one, but I would start with using the system as it as it as it is as it presents itself. And then go on to the, to the complicated stuff. It GURPS has a legacy magic system going back to the first ed- edition, which is skill based. Um, a magician is uh, somebody who uses energy, both their own physical fatigue uh, levels and stored energy and magical artifacts to create effects. He learn they learn a cascade of skills. Uh, you have to have low-level spells in order to learn uh, high-level spells, in order to learn ludicrously high-level spells. Yeah, each each particular spell you learn separately, and broadly speaking, it does one thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not the system they would have put in had they been designing the, the system now. But it is there, it does work. It gives, in, to my mind, a pleasing high-fantasy um, feel to uh, a game. Um, wizards are powerful, yes, but they are vulnerable and slow. Um, the higher their skill, the faster they can bring up that fireball, but still, they need the warriors in front of them to keep them alive. And they, there is, there is magic up to the ludicrous level, but it's a rare thing and it, and it happens, and that, that is a thing that I like about it. But if you want to get complicated, well, the the next book to look at is Thaumatology. Yeah. Uh, that is the... It is a combination of things. It It is both how to design a magic system for GURPS. What, and, and it's a general essay on the implications of having magic in your world. And it is several worked examples, some of which are repurposed from 3rd edition GURPS publications and brought, yeah. brought into compliance with 4th edition rules. Um, that allows you to, if you if you have a specific form of magic that you want to realise, then that has almost all the examples that I can think of. You might not be able to do the Belgariad with it, but that's because the Belgariad cheats. Basically, what what you have is a matrix. On, on one side, you want to think what are, what are the effects I want people to be able to do, yeah. and on the other side, you you need to be thinking how how do I going to implement this in terms of the actual things that get put on their character sheet. Yeah, there are lots of ways of combining them. Thaumatology will guide you through how to choose them. There are there are some other systems that have been published since Thaumatology. Um, 
which I'll, I'll I'll come back to when when we talk about some some of the um, full build settings. Hmm. Um, but thaumatology uh, versus magic is is a good example of the split I want to talk about because some of the GURPS books are quite specifically for designing your campaign yeah. or your setting or your adventure, however you ought to look at it, but making the big decisions. Um, thaumatology is one of those. Fantasy is definitely yeah. one of those. Fantasy, GURPS fantasy now. It used to be something else in a previous edition. But now it is how to design your fantasy campaign. Yeah. GURPS space, GURPS horror, similarly. Yeah. Uh, supers as well. It's, it's a thinner book, but it does it does mm. the same thing. Uh, and zombies. While, while there are lots of stats for zombies in GURPS zombies, it is basic. It is not saying just that. It's saying here here is how to have a campaign about zombies. Yeah. This is this is. If you make this decision, it's it's because you want to do this sort of thing with it. Yeah. Uh, and and the, some something of a hidden gem again because it came out quite early. GURPS mysteries, mm. which is yeah. is all about investigative adventures. Yeah. And particularly why why you don't directly borrow plots from books or TV shows or indeed real life. Because you look foolish, dear, dear listener. They're, they're designed for different things. Yeah. Uh, so that, those those are the design books. Uh, there are shopping books. Uh, yeah. In, in which I, I would classify magic. Um, the, the various tech books, uh, low tech, high tech, ultra tech. Yeah. Probably go in there. Bi- biotech is really more a setting design book. It, it's if if you have the this sort of biotechnology, what what are the amazing things you can do with it? Rather than here is a list of things for your character to buy. Though it's that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for that matter, low tech uh, has has a lot of stuff about how how a low tech society works. Yeah. Um, you know, what, agricultural productivity. If if you want to support a knight, how many farmers do you need? That mm. sort of thing. Um, let's see. Uh, Powers now. Pa- powers in oh, GURPS yeah. mean mean a specific thing, which is think things you build using advantages as opposed to skills. Yeah, and it is the book where the enhancement and limitations um, section of the core rules comes strongest into play. It is very much a design book. This is not a book you hand to your players. No, the, this is a book you you work through in. Even, may not even want what to use in detail um, for a lot of campaigns because if, if you've got the powers already designed because the ones in the core book are good enough or because you're using a thing somewhere else, that, that's yeah. fine, you don't need it. it. It is for designing your own powers. You're designing your own campaign setting with um, some sort of magic or ultra tech or whatever, you know, psionics, yeah. and, and you want it to work the exact way you want it to work. Yeah. Uh, the power, powers book will let you do that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is probably the most rules crunchy book of the entire. I think that's true. Get full canon. I have it. I don't know that I've ever much u- used it. I, I've used it moderately. I'm not based entire campaigns off it. Well, because uh, powers have never been at the core of, of what you've done, really. So um, that's those. That, um, uh, an example of, of how this breaks down, Psionic, there's the Psionic Campaigns book, which is building a world with Psy in it. Yeah. Uh, there is Psionic Powers, which is the shopping list of powers. Yeah. Uh, there is also Size, which is the pre-generated characters, hmm. character packages. Um, so th- th- those are what I think of as the traditional style GURPS books. Yeah. Uh, there are setting books. Uh, 
uh, things like Infinite Worlds, which is a cross cross world traveling setting, Bainstorm, which is a fantasy setting though not an entirely conventional one. I like it. Um, I, I probably said that before. That uh, there are b- books of that sort which essentially are very very much the sort of thing that that I expect from a setting book. Um, as a grognard, you know, here here is the setting. Here is stuff you can do in it. Here are some templates if you want to play characters in it. Yeah, there are uh, there are some series of setting books. That's what I want to come on to next. All right. Well, I I call these the full build settings. It's things like Discworld RPG, Dungeon Fantasy, hmm. action, and so on. And we we've talked about how you set up uh, the the rules for your particular game. Dropping out the advantages you don't want, mm. uh, saying here here are, are things that everybody will have, and so on. The full build settings do this for you. They obviously need to be quite specific, yeah, um, because they've made those choices. But if you want to play a game that that is set in the disc world, uh, or or a fairly high powered dungeon bashing game, oh. uh, the the others are action, which is your contemporary a- uh, action films. In general style, monster hunters, which is hunting down monsters. It's gen- generally generally stuff. contemporary um, supernatural monsters. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I believe one one of the inspirations is Larry Correa's Monster Hunter series. Buffy is obviously at the yeah. root of that that sort of thing. So you, you you've got people with some, with generally some fairly weird powers of their own hunting down big scary horrible things. Mm. Uh, there's also after the end, which is post apocalypse. I would. Uh... No, the, the, all, all of these are essentially saying, right, picking advantages and skills and so on is hard. Here is a list, and you you can tell the players go away, take one of these templates and customize it. We didn't mention templates. Yeah, um, well, this is really where they come in. they've been in. They're in all the all the settings. There are there are some templates in the basic set, but they are they are quite generic. Basically, a template is a package of things. Um, is is a semi-filled in set of options for a for a character for a class of characters. So, for example, if you are generating a character from Infinite Worlds, one of the Icops, uh, there is a template for the Icops, and it says, right, well, uh, start with these, then pick one out of these three, or you know, ten points out of these options. And then choose what one of the one of these packages to, for which division you're in. Basically, it reduces the huge process of character generation to uh, five or ten decisions. Hmm. At the end of which, you have a playable character in in full detail. Um, it um, has to be campaign specific, uh, but with with that in mind, it yes. makes life easier. And uh, the templates are entirely supported by Gibbs Character Assistant, and indeed, there's a template builder. Uh, subsystem for mm. it. Um, you want to, um, you want to be able to take and tweak um, the, those templates. Often, you'll find yourself with, uh, if you're building a 150 point character, a template will be just perhaps short of 150 points, and give you a few bits to to play with, and you still have quirks and other adva- disadvantages you may take. In order to make the character a little more specifically yours, yeah. Though, though the template will give you everything you need, mm. and if if you want to say right, well, this this is enough for now, then then you can stop there. Um, 
Yeah, they're, they're, as I say, there are some of the basics which, which are pretty simple, but certainly all, all the um, standard setting books, Bainstorm, Infinite Worlds, mm. Reign of Steel, well, my, my supplement for Reign of Steel, bringing it up to fourth edition. Um, that has been a commercial message. Yeah, buy several copies. Um, all, all of these essentially say, right, if, if you want to play a character like this, here is the package of traits, uh, add, mm. add, them, add them up and uh, you're ready to go. So, um, oh yes, of course, we, we should mention there is now the Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game, which is a distinct yeah. thing from GURPS Dungeon Fantasy. Uh, it's the same general idea as GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, as yeah. in we, we will take a subset of the full GURPS rules and, and strip out the things that aren't applicable to bashing things in a dungeon. Yeah. Um, but Dungeon Fantasy RPG is, is specifically um, designed to be easy to get to grips with quickly. Uh, and it is a standalone boxed product. And shiny. Uh, mm, very pretty. We should have men- mentioned at this point the back catalogue. Um, the all the, the great extent of uh, third edition books now available in PDF, mm. which are some of the best um, world-building, world-explaining um, books. Some of them are settings, uh, yes, uh, which haven't. Uh, not all of which have been brought up to fourth edition, but many of them are books explaining Imperial Rome, uh, the France of Napoleon, um, a particular set of superhero, uh, a particular superhero setting. All of them are there, and all of them are quite cheap, and most of them are worth are worth having. Yeah, generally speaking, the the, the more uh, numbers there are in the book, the more work it will be to convert it to fourth edition. But um, ask around and see. Ask if it's it's useful. If it's a historical book, it almost always is. Yeah. And some of the particular uh, setting stuff may well be what you are looking for. I don't really care how how many hit points a, a hussar has. But I do care about who, um, where, where they're deployed on the battlefield. Yeah, I, I, and I care uh, about what sort of a chap gets to be an officer in the hussars, and uh, and what sort of um, gentlemanly conduct is expected of him. The, As opposed to the dragoons. Uh, let's leave the dragoons out of this. There is a lot of support for the system, and for some obscure reason, people keep thinking it's dead. Why is that? Because it doesn't show up in, in um, well, first of all, because it didn't show up in games shops. It didn't? I seem to have found a copy. Well, no, it, it, no. Pe- people, the sort of people who say X system is dead are the sort of people who expect to see a new product for it every month on the game shop shelf. Oh, right. And, well, they're, and they're not, because A, they aren't producing a, a new physical product every month. It's more like one every year or yeah. year-ish. Yeah. And um, B... A lot of game shops have just cut down their role playing to the stuff that's guaranteed to sell, which means D and D Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, also, once people had realised that game shops were dying, they were looking on Drive Through RPG because that's where they get all their other stuff. And until recently, GURPS was generally not available on Drive Through RPG because SJ Games have have their own um, storefront warehouse twenty three. Yeah. Which offers you infinite redownloads and no watermarking and all the other good stuff, but you, you can now buy it on Drive Through RPG as well. 
I, I would like to say um, that there's another class, which is the, the miscellaneous class of uh, oh, books. Go books. on, what counts as miscellaneous? Well, ones, ones that expand on some specific subject. Um, social engineering, for example. Yeah, that it, is it, re- it, that's really almost a bolt-on system. Yeah. Well, it, it, everything it, everything that's in there is basically used... It worked examples of, of stuff that's in the core books. Yeah. It's just they're, they're fairly effective worked examples. Um, but... Th- that that's essentially all all the ways of doing interpersonal stuff, um, persuading people, recruiting people, mm. having them working for you, working for them, or how all, all those relationships work. Uh, underground adventures. This mm. is not dungeon bashing. This is specifically your adventure is set underground. What do you need to know? Talk, let's talk about climbing. Let's talk about flooding. Things like that. Um, city stats is just a way of writing up cities. Yeah. So so that. You, you can have a write-up in this format and work out how the PCs can interact with it. You know, if, if they want to find something illegal, how difficult is it going to be? That sort of thing. Um, Creatures of the Night is basically a series of monsters, monster mm. books. Um, it came out well before Monster Hunters, it would fit in with that, but it's basically va- various um, va- vaguely horrific nasties that you, that you could fight. Um, there, there are lots of these small books. They don't always have obvious titles, um, but... Right. There's, there's a fair chance that whatever specific subject has, has now been expanded. Last thing that's worth mentioning, I think, is Pyramid. This is yeah. a monthly magazine, generally has five or six articles in it of varying length. They, they are think, things typically that are too short to be deserving of, of a separate publication. Mm. So they're brought out of the magazine. Roger, um, Roger gets it on a regular basis, and if you want to know... Uh, what he thinks of uh, of each individual issue and what what's in it, you can find it on his blog page. And there is an index of all of the current edition of Pyramid because obviously all the back issues are still available, hmm. uh, which, as it happens, I maintain on the SJ Games forums because it, it can be quite tricky to find stuff. Yeah, you know, it, it's more than a hundred issues now, oh, inclu- uh, including the uh, the print ones. No, that's just of Pyramid Volume 3. All right. The, the last book I, would, I think is well worth mentioning, How to Be a GURPS GM. Yes. Um, it is a particular um, uh, group of uh, people's way of handling, uh, uh, way of handling the, the system and way of building stuff with the system, but it's well worth looking at. It will go into much more detail about um, the the pros and cons of various advantages and why you want your character ha- to have it or perhaps why you want to forbid your players uh, to have it. Yes, uh, do, do completely avoid GURPS for Dummies, which was written by a bunch of people who had nothing to do with GURPS uh-huh. and nobody really seems to know why it got published. Money, dear boy, money. But what... How to be a GURPS GM will will we'll guide you through many of the same things we've been talking about, but in more detail. Yeah. Uh, it also has notes from Sean Punch on things like you're searching a room. What skills do you use, and what penalties are you rolling against? Mm. Uh, what What are the skills that every adventurer should have, as opposed to the skills that somebody in the party Cooking. should have? Swimming. Yeah. Climbing as well. You find yourself at the bottom of that rock face. You're going to wish you had it. Stealth. Uh, so that, that first that's aid. Right. Yep. yep, everybody needs first aid. If, if only the medic has it, the medic's going to get shot. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. It, it, I think it falls more or less into, into categories, mostly. Um, you don't need any of this except the basic set to start with. I think you could do worse than basic set and how to be a GURPS GM. Hmm. Decide what decide what you you want the this this system for first, and learn to do that. You can expand into um, into other things. I started with it when uh, when what it did best uh, was um, fantasy uh, medieval fighting, stroke medieval fighting, mm-hmm. and I my prejudice is still in that direction, but that that's possibly because. That's the sort of thing I like to do, and uh, and all those guns strike me as messy and very very deadly and very very combat over quickly. They're shooting back. I don't call that a fair fight. Yeah, quite. Um, but uh, please, uh, uh, decide what you want to u- use it for, and then hone it down, t- tune it. Yeah, that's, you you that's can, what you got to do as a GM. You you should not expect to say right. We're going to sit down and play GURPS. In the same way, you could say that about RuneQuest or D anD D or Firefly. Mm. It isn't yet defined. You have to define it. On the other hand, if if what you have is a an idea for a campaign, which is the situation I very often find myself in, yeah. Um, th- this is why I say, why would I not run it in GURPS? Because I'm starting from the idea, as it might be the Royal Navy in space. Yeah. And I'm I'm going on from there to say right what what do I need to make this idea work well I need some some sort of system uh, for training well there's a book specifically all about training and learning in GURPS mm. I need some sort of system for starship combat yep got that oh we didn't talk about the spaceship series at all that's well that's that's it it's starship, it's for starships and trade yeah. and combat and stuff like that um, I I need um, Books that talk about uh, FTL travel and, the, and the, the, the implications of what sort of FTL travel you use on what yeah. the shape the society is. Yep, GURPS space does that. Uh, some 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 nice high tech bang bangs. Well, Ultratech does that. It it's all there. I don't have to go hunting for it. Hmm. The uh, the final set of thing we would say is, do not panic. It's if you try and take all this in at once. Um, your brain will shut down. Concentrate on the immediate task in front of you and find the things you can do that you already want to do and find out how to do them with GURPS. Yeah. Oh, I've, I think we probably should have mentioned earlier. Oh, good grief. We'll <laughs> never get off this podcast. What? Most of it Most of it is in PDF only. Yeah. That's, uh, that's true of a lot of games these days, unless they have huge budgets and huge print runs. But it's worth bearing in mind, I know at least one player who hates doing anything off PDF. Well, too bad. They it, it's, it's PDF or nothing. They couldn't afford to print them. Yeah. Some of the, some of the, the, the specialist stuff does get short print, very short print runs in fairly flimsy format. Well, some, but... some, of, the, some of the big books are now available in print-on-demand. Um, yeah, that exactly is actually a point. And some of the... Uh, print on demands will actually allow, allow you to put this is my copy on the uh, on, on the on the final version. Yeah, uh, cre- create space and Amazon. I'll, I'll I'll put links through. But basically, a, a lot of the books that were published early and had gone out of print. Hmm. Uh, Ultratech, for example, was out of print for a while. Uh, you can now get a physical copy again. Anyway, if it if it is not yet clear, we recommend this product. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's, it, it continues to be my default system unless I have a reason to do something else. I will find something else to do next time. If you want to uh, ask us about how to convert your campaign to GURPS, well, please send us a, uh, a message, but we might well tell you to go to the SJ Games forums first. Um, via? Uh, you can write to us at podcast.tekelili or follow links on the website for our discussion forum. And next time we promise no GURPS content. Almost. almost. I don't promise that at all. We will see you in a month.